It's been two years since your favourite SAS festival has taken place at the RDS in Dublin. But guess what? We won't make it three years. That's right, SASDAQ 2022 is on. And what's even better is that we've opened up our friends and family pre-sale today with a limited batch of the cheapest available tickets. Grab them whilst they last by visiting sasdoccom forward slash sasdoc 2022 Imagine that you could get access to the revenues you'll be generating in the next 12 months already today. What would it mean for you? Capchase helps fast-growing recurring revenue companies finance growth without taking on debt or dilution. Whether you want to invest in growth or R&D, Capchase turns your predictable revenue into growth capital today. Capchase has helped founders unlock hundreds of millions in financing to fuel their growth and on average extend their runway by eight months and spared upwards of 16% dilution. See how insanely easy it is by clicking the link in the show notes or go to capchase.com forward slash sasdoc to learn more. The first mistake that CEOs make is not understanding kind of where am I, which advice should I filter out, which advice should I gravitate to, or how do I put that advice in context? How do you know what stage you're in? I wish that there was like a checklist that I could give you, but in fact, I don't, I'm sure I could if I spent much more time on it. But I think the best way to do it is try to find a trusted source, someone who is maybe not on your board or your investor or someone who kind of has seen the gamut of different types of companies and can just try to help you kind of put where you are, not to pigeonhole you, but to help you kind of decipher through that information. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. Uh, Shelley Perry, uh, Managing Director of Scalelogix Ventures. Uh, welcome, Shelley. I'm happy to be here, Alex. Always uh, fun to chat with you about one of my favorite topics. Well, great to have you back on the podcast. I think it was this time last year uh, that we had you on. Uh, also, uh, because we had the upcoming uh, Blueprint uh, for CEOs SaaS.conference, conference, uh, which was happening in December uh, 2020. That event uh, last year was to help CEOs that were in that kind of one the 10 million journey. Uh, we had a great time recording the podcast and, and, and doing the, the mistakes that the first time founders make uh, on that journey. Um, and then the upcoming blueprint for CEOs, which is happening on December the 7th uh, this year, it's for the CEOs that have passed 10 million in ARR, but now they're on this journey and they want to scale to 100 million ARR. Now, this is really your sweet spot, the stuff yeah. that you, you know, you, you, the, the, the bread and butter. Uh, and I just kind of thought, you, obviously, you, you're speaking at, uh, at that event uh, as well, um, along with, I think we've got the likes of Henry Shuck, CEO of ZoomInfo, uh, Edith Harbour, who's the CEO of LaunchDarkly, Girish Mathrabutham, CEO of Freshworks, uh, Chris Subramanian from, from Chargebee, so some great names there, Johnny uh, Bufahat, CEO of Hopin. Um, so super excited about this event. 
And what we thought would be a good idea, because I really enjoyed having the, uh, you on the podcast last time, was trying to get a bit of that magic uh, you know, back <laughs> and uh, talk, talking uh, about this uh, particular uh, journey in this stage, all stages, uh, and the top mistakes CEOs make when scaling from 10 million to 100 million ARR. So I'm excited to, to do this, mainly listen to you. Uh, because I, I don't have this knowledge, and um, but I mainly listen to you. And um, but um, but yeah, I, I, I'm happy to happy to go into it. Yeah, let's get started. And uh, as always, I think these things are better conversations. And I know it's a stage that you yourself are embarking on soon. So hopefully, this can also be an extension of the session that we had last year, which I thought exactly was it was kind of good uh, good therapy for me uh, uh, last <laughs> year as a first time founder. Um, and now I'll be well taking. We are recording, so but I'll uh, I'll take some mental notes and then you know, physical <laughs> notes uh, uh, sort of afterwards. Um, so let's talk about some of the these mistakes. Uh, but I guess kind of first, if you want to set maybe this context about you seeing ten to one hundred is not one stage; uh, yes. it, it's multiple uh, stages. Yeah, I think that it's important when we're talking about scale up, which of course is is my absolute favorite kind of period of a company's growth for lots of reasons, but it is not 10 to 100 million is actually multiple stages of scale up. Some people break it down into seven stages. Some people break it down into five. Today, what I want to do is just break it into two or three. We did the zero to 10 in the last session. In this one, let's break it from 10 to 50 and 50 to 100. Because the first mistake that CEOs make whether they're a founder who's kind of growing with the company or a takeover CEO for the first time in scale up is they read advice or best practices or they get advice from people and they don't realize that that advice is perhaps for a different stage of growth in that scale up phase or a, a different profile mistakes that founders who become CEOs of these scale-up companies are going to make different mistakes than someone who has grown up in corporate America or in corporate business kind of taking their first CEO role versus a GM type of role. And then also understanding what is their growth rate because advice that you would give to someone, a company, a CEO running a company that is at a hyper growth rate, you know, sustaining 100% year on year growth versus barely making the rule of 40 or edging up to rule of 50, the advice is going to be different. And I think the first mistake that CEOs make is not understanding kind of where am I, which advice should I filter out, which advice should I gravitate to, or how do I put that advice in context? How do you know what stage you're in? I wish that there was like a checklist that I could give you, but in fact, I don't, I'm sure I could if I spent much more time on it. But I think the best way to do it is try to find a trusted source, someone who is maybe not on your board or your investor or someone who kind of has seen the gamut of different types of companies and can just try to help you kind of put where you are, not to pigeonhole you, but to help you kind of decipher through that information. So I think the best way to do it is try to understand that. And then as you're looking at content or getting advice at a conference, hopefully we'll be seeing people in person soon. Uh, but as you're getting that advice, you can kind of put it in context and then adjust it appropriately for where you are. You mentioned there that seeking uh, maybe like an independent voice or person to help you understand where you are like what about like 
on the board, are they going to be biased to potentially to say uh, like here's where you are or telling you something different? I don't I don't think that they're biased by any means. I think it could be that if they're on your board, they they attract or they invest in a specific stage. And so, you know, when you have a hammer, right, everything's a nail or whatever that analogy is. And so mm -hmm. sometimes it's not that they're being biased. It's just they don't have the exposure to kind of understand you know, the different stages because maybe they're an early investor and they've only seen a few and it's it's hard for them to kind of understand the differences. So maybe they haven't been exposed to it or they're more advanced investors because most people on your board, unless they're an independent, are investors. And so it's just more about what experience do they have to be able to see these patterns. There's one and there's many investors that can do that because they have the experience kind of across the gamut but there's also many that aren't. So I think it's not a bias that it's just exposure to experience. And then operationally, the same thing, if you have an independent on your board who came from you know, an operational side of software or in the SaaS world or software world, they don't get exposed to kind of understanding that their advice is different. They're just giving you advice based on what they know, but they don't really have the pattern matching across different stages to be able to even recognize to tell you. So it's not necessarily biased. It's just more lack of exposure to the patterns. Gotcha. And then once you understand the stage that you are sort of truly at, then you'll get to know really what you need to do at that stage to get to the next one. Um, because if you believe that you're in a different stage, then you're going to be getting some of the wrong advice, right? You may have to use that information to kind of help educate someone who is by every intention giving you the best advice, but you have to kind of maybe inform them in a very nice way, in an influence way that you're different to maybe something they might be giving you advice about. So I think it works both ways, but for how do you take that advice, but also how do you manage the advice you're given from your board or other trusted sources to try to change their lens as well. Gotcha. Let, let, let's talk about the second mistake then. Um, what, what, what would that be? So the second mistake is, I'm going to call it kind of not understanding or not taking the time to define your expansion strategy. You know, in the zero to 10, we talk about finding product market fit, understanding where that product market fit is, that initial strategy, and, and just kind of narrowing in on it. As you move to that 10 to 50 million, your focus needs to be on what's my expansion strategy going to be? And this just doesn't mean how am I going to sustain growth? Because you might have a very long runway in your initial product that's going to help you sustain growth that's not going to help you expand and sustain that growth long term. At some point, you're going to hit a wall with the growth rate of your existing product. And you have to be thinking about how am I going to expand? And you have to think about it now because it's not moves necessarily that you're going to make right in, in kind of that maybe 20 million year or 30 million year, but it's certainly going to affect kind of 40, 50 and onwards. And you have to decide, have it always a working kind of hypothesis of what that expansion strategy is going to be so that you can say no to things, so that you can attract the right investors or go after the right investors and also take on customers that would potentially want to go on that expansion strategy. You know, if you're going to divest of a product range or do something different, you should 
you know, also divest or work with those customers to kind of get them in a good place because you always want to be customer centric. So in that expansion strategy, what happens is that there's two different mistakes that get made and, and by those kind of, you know, high growth, low growth or CEOs that are founders versus CEOs that kind of come as a takeover. And the two areas, the, the two mistakes kind of go in two different directions. And the first one is that you don't start your second product early enough. You, have, you actually have to start it pretty early because if you think back to how long it took you to achieve product market fit of your first product and how it took you to scale and kind of find that right fit, it doesn't take you quite as long in your second product, but it also doesn't happen overnight. So typically products take somewhere between 12 and 18 months to hit materiality. So think about you're introducing a second product, but yet your first product is growing. So the base is getting higher and yet you're introducing this new product. So for it to start to have materiality, you have to, you're chasing a total and you, and it takes kind of that 12 to 18 months timeframe. Now that's just an average. Sometimes you can accelerate through that. Sometimes it takes longer, but it doesn't happen overnight. So you need to start it early. And then also your second product, your organization does not have the muscle to launch a second product. You evolved your first product over time through whispering, through, through, you know, a lot of times the CEO is out there kind of like hawking the product. You get your VP of sales in there. You've got some repeatability, but you don't have the muscle in the organization to actually launch a second product, which ripples through the entire organization. So you also have to start training and it's going to take you longer. It always takes you longer. After you do the second one, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, they're going to be a lot easier, but that second one takes a long time and you still are maintaining the momentum on your first product. So it's not starting your second product early enough. And that typically, that mistake is typically made by founders who are kind of uh, going up and uh, investors who are used to investing in later stage because they don't realize that they don't realize that the founder's not starting it because they've not experienced investing in earlier stage where that doesn't happen. So, or, or they have worked with invest uh, first time CEOs that are scaling. So that typically happens in the kind of 10 to 50 with founders who are scaling for the first time. Now the flip side of that is takeover CEOs who have come from companies that have lots of products. And what they want to do is the opposite of starting a second product. What they want to do is actually start many products at once because they're used to kind of having this kind of, you know, portfolio of products. So they just start developing lots of them. And that has a, a, a cascading effect. It's equally bad as not starting your second one because starting too many is that you don't have enough resources to apply to them. And so you can't really start many of them. And often the same CEOs that want to start a lot of products are the same CEOs that tend to have a lower growth rate. Now they might be able to sustain that same growth rate, 40, 50, 60% over a long period of time because they have a lot of products. But if you have a early stage product that's hitting that hundred percent, you have to start your product second product early enough so that you can continue to sustain that 100%. And those are kind of two conflicting mistakes that get made 
equally, but they are made usually by different profiles. And, and maybe it's not a mistake, right? If you if you're in it for the long haul and you have an investor that says it's okay to maintain 50% growth rate in perpetuity, then maybe you start multiple products, each one of them is gonna go slower. If your investors want you to maintain a 100% growth rate because that's what you signed up for. And by the way, it's not the investors, it's what you as a founder or CEO that, that agreed to take the money, agreed to maintain that growth rate, then you have to be careful to not create too many products and you have to create the ones that are gonna kind of keep the focus and sustain that growth rate. So those are the mistakes that are typically made in the 10 to 50. And then in the 50 to 100, kind of what, what in that expansion strategy is understanding what is going to sustain the momentum much longer term. So in the 10 to 50, you really wanna go like one to two products, but by the time you're hitting kind of closer to that 100, you should have the muscle memory in your organization to be able to launch three, four, five, six, to acquire, to cross-sell. So in that 10 to 50, you wanna kind of get the, the ability to, to be able to expand into multiple pro or to at least a second product. But by the time you get to 50 to 100, you should be able to start sustaining three, four, and five. But you have to get that second one first. And all of that is, is, is that expansion strategy. And that expansion strategy is, are you gonna go sideways adjacency and kind of stay in the same target market or are you gonna move up to enterprise? Are you gonna move down to PLG? Are you gonna go from cheap and cheerful to the high touch? Or whatever it is that you're gonna do, you need to make those moves along that expansion strategy. And most CEOs in that kind of 10 to 50, they're just kind of like still flinging kind of some of the holes that they had to plug from the zero to 10 and they aren't stepping back and creating that longer term expansion strategy early enough. Yeah, a, a couple of things there. I mean, one, uh, just on that 50 to 10, um, we'll hear from uh, Johnny Bufahat, CEO of Hopin, at Blueprint for, uh, for CEOs in, on the 7th. Uh, and I think what we saw, similarly, they, they grew very rapidly to 50 million uh, ARR. And then from 50 to 100, they've been very aggressive on the M&A uh, side of things. Uh, I, I'm not sure how many uh, companies they've bought uh, but it, I think it's in the realm of like five, maybe six uh, acquisitions to really kind of help them then really get to 100 million ARR, uh, I think, pretty quick. And I'm sure they're, they're probably almost there. They were, at, they were at 75 not too long ago. And on the trajectory they were on, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't bet against them uh, being there or, or past that by uh, December the 7th. So we'll hear from Johnny on that, which will be really fascinating. I think that would be a great a great conversation. Um, it, I don't know, a stupid question, uh, but it's something that kind of came to, uh, to mind here. But have you ever seen, uh, are there examples of SaaS companies getting to 100 million just on one product and not becoming multi-product companies? Or is it essential that you need to start thinking about it at some, uh, and you have to have multiple products? It, 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 I, I've not really seen a company hit 100 million with a single product. Sometimes when we're standing at a you know kind of a, a really far distance, we think it's a single product, but in the end, it it is it could be a very similar product, but you are 
pricing and packaging it for say the enterprise versus mid and you're allowing kind of different things and you've had to invest in scaling. So I really have never seen myself, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. That means that I haven't seen them in terms of uh, uh, hitting that hundred million on a single product. Gotcha. Makes sense. Uh, all right. What about the the third mistake? Uh, what's the third mistake the CEOs make? Uh, so the third, yeah, the third mistake is I think we talked a little bit about this in the zero to ten, but it, it carries through to the you know ten to fifty, fifty to hundred, and that is not understanding how you as the CEO are spending your time. And I want to preface this that everything that I'm going to talk about is is nor is is kind of an average and it implies that you always kind of care about the customer whatever that whatever your customer is again cheap and cheerful or high touch you always have a customer in the center of your mind so this is this is not excluding that this is additive so the way that i think about it in the highest level is in that zero to ten you're thinking about product What's your product fit? How are you going to get it out there? Do people like it? You're listening, you're, you're adjusting, and you're really, if, if you had to categorize the majority of your time, certainly not all of your time, but the majority of your time, you're kind of product focused. E- even if you're the sales, more salesy CEO or product CEO, almost everyone in the company, in a true SaaS company, is product focused. In kind of that zero or 10 to 50, what you're focused on is expansion. And I don't just mean expansion in terms of the last topic we talked about. You're, t- you're focusing on expanding yourself as a CEO. If you are coming from a founder moving up, you have skills that you need to, to learn and fill in as a CEO. If you are a first time CEO of a scale up company and you've been an executive in a larger company, you have things that you need to develop that you didn't, weren't exposed to uh, in terms of that. So you are expanding your own kind of experience. You're expanding your C-suite. And in this case, especially in the 10 to 50, you're going to have a C-suite, which I define as anyone reporting to the CEO. You're going to have a C-suite that also needs to be developed. They've probably come, they're a mix, they've, they have different experience, but they all kind of have a gap in the fact, just like you as a CEO or anyone as a CEO, you have a gap of kind of understanding the business impact end to end. You probably grew up as a functional leader and you're really good at your function, but you don't really understand kind of this business kind of end to end. And that's what most executives kind of need to learn at this stage. And who else is going to fill the gaps in? So not only as a, as a CEO, do you have to expand your own expertise, but you have to be expanding and coaching your C-suite and in some cases kind of swapping them out, but they all need, they need to grow. And then you also need to be defining your expansion strategy as a company. So I kind of characterize the 10 to 50 as your time should be spent on expanding and whatever that is, right? Your team, you, your, your portfolio, that's really kind of the bulk of where your time is spent on expanding. When you get to the 50 to 100, your time is spent on M&A activities, on market, kind of getting ready for, especially in the later stage of that 100 million, getting ready to be a public company or being acquired by a public company because it's the natural extension of growth. So if if 0 to 10 is is product and 
you know, kind of 10 to 50 is expansion, I would say 50 to 100 is outward, right? You're meeting people of you want, you want to get more exposure to people get exposure to you, to the M&A opportunities out there, to potentially getting acquired to the public markets, to understanding you know, different SaaS models, whatever it is, you should be very much outwardly focused. And at that point, with all of the time that you spent on the product and the expansion strategy and developing your C-suite, you tend to, as a CEO, be much more outwardly focused. And if you don't do those things in the beginning, in, in, in up to getting to that 50, then you have to spend the time in the beginning of your 50 to 100 to get all of those things that may not have been done so that you can be outwardly focused. And what happens for a founder that's growing through that, I think it's hard for them to let it go. And they don't see like there's something that trips as you get the checks get larger, kind of like just the stakes get higher and they don't realize fast enough that they need to be more outwardly focused. And then the, the other side of it, if it's a takeover CEO coming from an enterprise, they don't realize they just instantly go to outwardly focus. But if they're taking over a company where some of those fundamentals weren't put in place by the time they got to that 50, 60 million, they have to stop and realize that companies just don't get there, right? Because they came into an enterprise as an executive and those things were already in place. What they don't realize is they're not always in place. And if they instantly go to external focus, because that's their, you know, that's their MO, then there's going to be a lot of holes underneath and they're going to wait too long to realize it. So they got to kind of shore it up before they can go very much externally facing. Awesome. Well, I mean, there, a, a lot, a lot there um, uh, <laughs> to, 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 well, take in, but also, um, you, you know, I think what we, what we're doing here is, you know, touching on uh, a few things, you know, for CEOs to be mindful of, uh, and we're going to go much deeper uh, into some of these things, certainly, you know, expansion and leadership and, and metrics uh, on December, December the 7th, that blueprint for CEOs. Um, so super excited uh, for that. But the, these are great, uh, you know, in terms of like three lessons that CEOs should be certainly be thinking about, um, you know, as they go on that journey. Um, uh, and they're looking forward to going, you, you know, even deeper and more like laser focused on uh, particular points. Uh, absolute blueprint for CEOs. So we'll have three hours on December the 7th uh, to go through that. Uh, we'll have nine talks uh, across the uh, the three themes of leadership, uh, expansion uh, and metrics with, with some of the great speakers that I, I mentioned earlier. Um, and uh, yeah, so super excited to do that and uh, dive into it. Um, so yeah, Shelley, I mean, I really appreciate you sharing uh, you know, uh, some of your, your, your expert insights here today uh, with the SaaStock audience. And, you know, for those uh, that are listening, that are over 10 million in revenue, um, you know, please do go to sasdoc.com and yes. look, for, look for Blueprint, apply uh, to, ten, uh, to attend the, uh, the session uh, with some of the best CEOs, uh, you, you know, and people in SaaS uh, uh, will be speaking uh, at that event. Um, uh, so uh, looking forward to, uh, to that. So sign up uh, uh, today. Yes, it's a great lineup. I look forward to participating and I, I encourage other CEOs to uh, find your tribe. And I think this is a great place to do that and try to find others that are kind of going through the same journey that you are 
in whatever growth rate and whatever stage you're in, I think it's a great place to meet other CEOs to create those connections. Definitely, definitely. Well, Shelley, uh, thanks so much. And you'll you'll be actually you'll be in Europe uh, uh, during the time of Blueprint for CEOs. Yes. Um, and um, yeah, uh, uh, so it'll be uh, exciting. Hopefully, we'll see uh, you in person. Uh, whilst the conference itself uh, will be virtual, um, and uh, yeah, can't can't wait yeah. for that. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, and also now that you know, as Americans, we're letting everyone else in. I'm I'm happy that it, we have this reciprocity going. So hopefully, we can get some more kind of face-to-face meetings, a little bit of energy going uh, in 2022. So I look forward to it. Definitely, definitely. Sounds good. Well, thanks so much, Shelley Perry, uh, Managing Director at Scalelogix Ventures. Uh, thanks for sharing with the SASTA audience. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SAS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world.